Thomas, uh, welcome again to Radio Wolf. I'm very happy to have you on again. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. And I wanted to talk with you about the metamodern movement, so to say, because mm. the metamodern movement, as far as I see, are uh, the meme is spreading. There are more and more people who use the term, uh, who use uh, a framework they call metamodern. At the same time, obviously, we are in a civilizational crisis where um, the prospect of the, uh, the evolving future is not exactly what the focus is on. We, mm. we, we have the climate crisis, we have this, the, the energy crisis, we have the war crisis, we can go on. Uh, there's more a perspective right now, uh, basically, how to survive in this. Yeah. How do you think is metamodern is developing in the last five years? Where is metamodern going right now? Mm. Yes, and of course that depends a little bit on on what you mean with the with the metamodern. I mean, in a very very broad sense, you could see uh, the metamodern as a as a just a placeholder for whatever comes after the postmodern, whatever. Uh, but then, in a more narrow sense, there is starting to develop some sort sort of uh, philosophical or sociological insights around what this metamodern could actually be. But if we, if we start in the broader sense uh, first, I think uh, more and more people are uh, realizing that we are in a societal transition. And that the transition that we are in right now will be at least as deep and significant and also perhaps turbulent as the transition from the pre-modern into the modern society. Mm. And that we already have the terms pre-modern and modern. And then, of course, for the last 50 years, at least, we have had some sort of post-modern critique of uh, modernity and uh, the Enlightenment project, if you want. Uh, and of course, this modernity and the Enlightenment project has, has given us so many uh, wonderful things, I would say, like modern medicine, human rights, democracy, that we, of course, would not want to be without. But then at the same time, uh, postmodern philosophical critique of modernity points out many of modernity's naive assumptions or beliefs and, and, and blind spots. So in, in many ways, the postmodern critique has been very valuable. But the problem with a postmodern perspective is that it is really a perspective that's coming from deconstruction and, and critique and can very much very easily end up in a very relativistic space um, with uh, really uh, no direction and uh, a general suspicion against all meta-narratives and, and stories. And from such a perspective, it is very difficult to build something new. So when you ask, where is the metamodern project right now? In this sense, sort of the feeling that 
modernity has come to some sort of end and that we really make a transition into something and that this something is beyond postmodern critique, beyond just postmodern critique of modernity. That is something that is gaining more and more traction, I think. Whether one wants to use the term metamodern for, for such a... Uh, such a move, such a new civilization, such a new uh, worldview. And, and I would say generally in looking at this transition that we, we are in right now, it could really go in many ways. And uh, I studied mathematics and physics and I'm, I'm still uh, very fond of trying to see uh, the world and humanity and civilization and culture as a self-organizing social system that is rapidly approaching what we in systems theory might call a tipping point or a bifurcation point. And when a system comes to a bifurcation point, then per definition, incremental change is not any longer possible but you really need to have a phase transition. And ideally the system would step up through a breakthrough to a higher level of organization, to a more complex, but perhaps also more elegant way of organizing. But if the system can't do that, it will face a breakdown. And today, what could a breakdown look like well, it, it could look like we are sort of entering into a time of complete fragmentation, perhaps even breakdown of world order, breakdown of nation state. And it could be sort of everyone's war against everyone, where we would probably lose a lot of our technological um, development that we have had during the last, say, 50 years and entering into a state of, of chaos. So that is one, what we in system terms, system science terms would call an attractor, a, a point of stability where the system could end up. The, the alternative that many people see to that chaos is to go into some sort of authoritarian system either a political authoritarian system like the one we see, for example, in, in developing in China, or some sort of feudal, high-tech, uh, capitalist uh, authoritarian system where uh, the big tech companies would dominate the world and sort of con control us. And that would be a second attractor. But then, of course, what we are all looking for is a third attractor, a metamodern attractor, somehow stepping up civilization to uh, a more complex and more elegant way of, of arranging the world. And what could that look like uh, is sort of the core question in, for me in, in the metamodern project. Mm. As you are describing these different attractors, uh, let's call it the Chinese attractor of uh, I really want to call it uh, digital state capitalism. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
let's call the other the new digital feudalism yeah. uh, attractor which is an authoritarian uh, arrangement in a in a i wouldn't use the the word um, free market but it 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 would not be it would be the opposite to a political authoritarian it it would be a free market but still authoritarian uh, mm -hmm. uh, regime i i also see uh in this constellation also in the constellation of a mega crisis that we are undoubtedly undoubtedly are in are uh, attractors uh, that are connected to what you're saying which are more identity uh, based uh, back to our um ethnic identity and find some security in this in the national state that we are in right now forget about globalization it's basically a focus on the nation state that we are in and uh, let's kind of uh, keep the world out this is one yeah. thing yeah and there's another that, that, is, that, that is sort of my uh fragmentation Mm -hmm. uh, scenario and of course it could be a fragmentation on the level of nation states but possibly also we see many nation states that might fragment in such a scenario and it will be would be even smaller units competing yeah. in such a world and then there is uh, a tractor uh, as i see it in the younger generation it's very much are coming from a deep criticism of Western civilization as such and orienting themselves in pre-modern indigenous form yeah. of uh, before alienation, let's call yeah. it that way, and uh, a form of spirituality and connection to nature that allows us to uh, treat the world, Earth, in a way that is not as destructive as our modernist culture does it right now. Oh. In, in this constellation of attractors, uh, where do you see are uh, there something where you, you think this are kind of emerging spots of a possible metamodern integral uh, development where there is something birthed right now that can be signs of the future? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I would first just... Um say that uh, when we are using the term as you just did and talking about the, the sort of meta crisis, I think that that is a very important first step uh, if you want to get into uh, meta modern a meta modern worldview to really realize that all these different crises that you mentioned earlier, like the environmental crisis, the crisis, the breakdown of democracy, psychological ill health, and all of this, that that there is so much attention right now to trying to solve and attack these different crises with different types of, of actions and programs. Uh, but I think that we, we have to realize that these crises are actually very much interlinked and they might just be symptoms of this underlying meta crisis which is a really a, a crisis of uh, our worldview and our understanding and perhaps even a crisis in our being mm. 
mm-hmm. uh, in the way that we are in the world. And at least it is a crisis of our psychological resources or our lack of psychological resources to be able to to live and make meaning in such a complex and multicultural and rapidly shrinking world that we are actually living in uh, Mm. today. Uh, And of course, one way to sort of avoid all of these problems would be just to go back, um, go back to to what we might perceive as as, uh, wrongly perceive as a better time 150 or 100 years ago and go back to smaller social groups, uh, uh, give up the uh, globalization project, give up the idea of one humanity and uh, gather in these small, smaller social groups and end up in a in a fragmented world, in a medieval world with lots of small social groups that are competing for for resources and have difficulties in in, in cooperating. The we are, came from with this question uh, where do you see kind of uh, emerging signs of uh, metamodern uh, also coming from observations that I have uh, moving through different circles and particular uh, right now again uh, there's a whole milieu of, of young people that uh, I often meet in Berlin in places like like mm. Berlin where I when I talk with them and engage with them I realize that they are somehow already living in a different world mm. and what I yeah. mean with this different world is, is very simple uh, the way they use, for, ex- for example, social media, and here um, more apps like Telegram than Facebook, uh, where they lift a form of interconnectedness with a kind of a non-geographically association with people that is an ongoing moving whole that's so different than how I grew up uh, with uh, identity, individuality, and and the kind of, from this perspective, linearity of development, that I just see there is a different form of uh, consciousness uh, building in these young people that is also a mixture of being very earth-oriented, very ecologically oriented, at the same time being completely technological positive. There is a, a whole... Um, hopefulness in the possibility of uh, of technolo- technology creating something with us that is with the earth and not against the mm-hmm. earth, which I yeah. try to figure out what is really going on there. But when I try to f- fantasize, where do I see this signs of postmodernity? I feel that in this young milieu, there's definitely something happening where I see this is different than how I grew up. There is a different consciousness that's creating something very different than the culture I knew. Mm. You know, I, I, I totally agree with you there. And you um, mentioned earlier also that um, 
there is an increased interest in uh, indigenous wisdom and in indigenous culture. And uh, I just came back yesterday from uh, a gathering at the Ekvaret Island, uh, my foundation's island outside Stockholm, where we had gathered a group of uh, uh, people, including representatives from the Kogi people in the Amazonas and the Sami people from north of Sweden and the Inuit people, and really asking this question, um, what could we today learn from uh, indigenous thinking and indigenous culture without sort of following some into some sort of uh, romantic trap that we believe that that all indigenous life is, is sort of easy and harmonious and that it would be easy to translate these ancient cultures that have been functioning well in connection to uh, nature and in in some cases very good social harmony but in relatively small groups of a couple of hundred people mm -hmm. into today's world so i think there is a lot we can learn but it has to just as you point out it has i believe to be married with uh, the all the good fruits of modernity and with technology and as much as i see technology today being very much uh, a threat against both psychological well-being and even social harmony and even democracy uh, i at the same time definitely think that it will be technology that will fundamentally enable us to take this step into uh, a new civilization that will make it possible for us to coordinate resources in a much more intelligent way than we are doing today with a relatively stupid market with all the externalities and all the problems that the market is creating, uh, but also help us in coordinating narratives and collective decision making in much more intelligent ways than the present implementation of democracy uh, allows us to do. So yes, I'm both looking back, back to pre-modern and indigenous thinking and living, but also looking forward at the same time and putting, putting hope and faith in, uh, in technology. The big question is, of course, if this awakening that I definitely see happening, and as you say, I definitely see a new way of of being and relating to these problems uh, in the younger generations, and specifically in the in the millennials. But at the same time, there are so many forces that are. Uh, uh, dragging us down in our pursuit and it will somehow be a, a race against time will this small but rapid um, awakening be able to get enough momentum before we have a serious environmental or uh, social uh, collapse mm -hmm.
as this is very much uh, also about our relationship to modernity and everything that modernity brought. Uh, and as this is also in the context of postmodern critique of modernity, I see a split in society and consciousness that came with COVID uh, that I find a very a significant and I don't know where it goes, uh, that in the alternative milieus, uh, in the kind of critique how society was uh, dealing with the COVID crisis, uh, there was a critique that to a big degree is also a justified critique about our technological response to something like a virus. Mm -hmm. Uh, and all the kind of one-dimensional response of society that uh, did not uh, include other perspectives in that. But mm -hmm. in this, there is also a, a phenomenon that came out very powerful and that I, uh, I, I really kind of surprised me and surprised others. Uh, the term uh, that uh, stands for this to some degree is the term, is the term uh, uh, conspirituality. Uh, the, the, this, the, the convergence of a spiritual mindset and this leaning to conspiracy theory thinking that is, very, to my understanding, very much related to our understanding of uh, perspectives that are beyond uh, the modernist perspective, but mm. also not fall into kind of a naive, anti-scientific uh, thinking that basically if it's not modern, if it's not scientific, then it is already the good thing, which it, uh, you very easily can end in a QAnon mentality yeah, in this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Ab absolutely. Mm. And, so, and there's, uh, yeah. yeah, couldn't continue. Uh, no, please, please finish off. Uh, just uh, that, that there's something in this split, that is a split of people who were very long, very befriended, uh, uh, this relationship, and I think it's very much about a metamodern perspective to have a, a perspective that is capable of the critique of the scientific or scientistic perspectives, but is not hostile to science. Yeah. Yeah. And to have this differentiation is something that's building out right now, where I feel that many people who have rightfully very critical understanding of where science brought us to have a very naive understanding mm. of the critique of science yes yes and the capacity yes. to hold both at the same time is something that we have to accomplish right now yes yes so the the critical word there is capacity so in a more narrow sense how i define a metamodern worldview that is going beyond just sort of a positive uh, reconstructive postmodernism would definitely be to uh, put an emphasis on uh, the integration of of science with other ways of knowing but also at the same time having a focus on the importance of our possibility of lifelong inner growth and maturation mm -hmm. and that we need a society that supports that development and inner growth in as many individuals as possible 
because it's only by building the capacities of seeing the world in more perspectives, being able to hold more perspectives in your mind, even to hold paradox. It's only with the development of that capacity that you can move beyond this naive critique of, uh, of modernity. And if you look at the cultural evolution of, of humanity, uh, so so far on, on Earth, if we take a look over thousands of years, or at least hundreds of years, so, so then you can see that in every substantial step up in, in our culture, uh, through, for example, the uh, Enlightenment uh, revolution, and the Industrial Revolution, and the development of democracy, and all of that, this, it has always put more demands on uh, the psychological resources of the individuals. Mm -hmm. Even if you were certainly suffering more in many ways in a medieval society, when it comes to the psychological maturity that is needed to live in a medieval society where your role and place was given by birth, and 99% of the population just had to try to survive by obeying their lord. Mm -hmm. that, that lack of freedom, uh, of course, makes it possible to, to function on, on a much, much uh, simpler psychological level than as we have today in modernity, where you are free to develop your life in any direction you want, you can study whatever you want, you can pursue careers, you really have to invent the purpose of your life, and even the meaning of your life yourself. And of course, that puts a lot of more psychological pressure on us all, at the same time, as it gives us a lot of more freedom. A meta modern world would be a world with even more freedom, mm -hmm. but it would put even more uh, load on us in being able to handle that freedom. Mm -hmm. So they're very important step in the process of moving beyond modernity, for me, is about uh, helping many people develop the psychological resources or the maturity or, or the wisdom uh, necessary to not just uh, survive in such a society, but actually thrive and be able to be co-creators of such a society. Hmm. And that's, of course, why, why uh, I'm so engaged in this project, the Inner Development Goals, which is hmm. a framework for supporting such large-scale development of psychological capabilities. Yeah. Now, but what you're pointing to here, uh, I think, is really core in when we try to look where is this meta-modern uh, attraction point really capable of living, how can we hold the complexity of more freedom yeah. in in this? And, and to use... And that uh, freedom, I just want to point out, that that freedom, uh, the meta-modern freedom, is certainly more freedom on an individual level, but it is not just on an individual level. The big step up in freedom from modernity to the metamodern will be in our collective freedom. 
in our mm -hmm. freedom to actually design our societies and culture and consciously design both society and structures and our culture. So far, we as humanity have more, more or less just been subject to the societal and cultural evolution. Now we need to become much, much more self-aware of that process. And if we are going to be able to, to realize that collective freedom, then we need to be able to have collective decision-making in these uh, areas. And for that, we need collective sense-making. And that is really what is, is lacking in today's world, our ability to collectively make sense of our world. Interesting that you're going there because uh, there's some, something that uh, in our work, in our evolved work is very central for us as a focus point because something that uh, modernity and postmodernity in their antagonism seem to have together is their focus on individualism yes. in, dif in different ways. Yes, yes. Of, and, of course, uh, in, in, in modernity, uh, it is the, the freedom of the individual, the political freedom of the individual and the belief in the rational, uh, self-maximizing individual and that, that through the market and other mechanisms would then move the world forward. Uh, mm -hmm. And in post-modernity, it's the identity... Uh, politics and and the intersectionality that is sort of dividing humanity into smaller and smaller groups and at the end of the day we we just have the the individuals standing alone and uh, what i hear you saying that uh, to uh, make a step forward here we need to really uh, go deep in understanding our identity as being hyper-individual, modern, post-modern citizen of this world and see that this is something that is so natural for us to basically look from this hyper-individuated perspective mm, mm, mm. that anything that's not that immediately looks uh, very collectivistic yeah. or kind of traditional in, in kind of old uh, church or tribal form of traditional but that there's a different possibility that's not a pre-trans fallacy backward, but yeah, there's a, a new form of uh, uh, interdependence and a trans individuation that we have not tapped into yeah. seems to be crucial to liberate us from this identity. A not absolutely. absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, so when I speak about the importance of, of the collective aspects of reality and the collective decisions that we need to ma make. This is not at all going back to a, some sort of socialistic or communistic worldview, uh, nor is it to some sort of monocultural, uh, old religious way of controlling culture. But, but it's really being able to realize that this interdependence that you're talking about, uh, which is both social and cultural interdependence, that that is something that we have and that we are subject to as individuals and as society, whether we are aware of it uh, or not. And once we become aware of it, then we gain the freedom to form those aspects of our interdependence. But in order to do that, 
at least if we should be able to do that in a democratic way, then we need to develop our ability to collectively make sense and collectively talk about these things. And mm -hmm. again, today it seems like collective sense-making is not developing, but rather breaking down rapidly uh, all over the world. Mm -hmm. And th that's also why I really uh, I, I, I appreciate very much the Inner Development Goal uh, initiative that you uh, kind of uh, co-created here, uh, which focuses also on our capacities to hold this uh, uh, multiplying levels of complexity that this world undeniably seems to be about. And there is no way to uh, evade this complexity besides some regressive going back to my tribe, uh, to my leader, to my dogma. Mm -hmm. uh, th this, these forms of regression are the only ways to avoid this. Yeah. So if we don't want to go there, we as an individual, but also as a collective, also uh, in our togetherness, have to, to develop capacities to hold forms of complexity that we never were uh, asked to hold in a way, as you're no, describing no. in medieval no. time, part of as uh, rough as it may have been, but uh, there was a big relief in knowing that I was in my in my region, in my village, uh, in my language area, in my religion, and I knew who I was, who my family was, who the emperor was, and who the pope was. And I and never met any strangers. And, and everyone met... and everyone that I was meeting and interacting with had had the same worldview and the same belief and the same skin color. And it is very obvious that uh, in order to allow us to um, to cope with this uh, new forms of uh, complexity, we have to find uh, new ways of learning that. Yeah. And, the, and, 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 and it's important just to point out that that. Uh, these capacities and to handle this complexity that this this is certainly not just cognitive of course mm. there is a cognitive element to this but there is at least as much emotional complexity uh, today that we need to to handle and and that can be even more difficult than cognitive complexity because at least in modernity we have been focusing on our cognitive abilities and we are used to thinking about our cognitive capacities, whereas our emotional capacities and our relational capacities, mm -hmm. uh, we are not in modernity used to think about and notice uh, in the same way. Mm -hmm. And finally, we are also so used to focus on these capacities only from an individual perspective. But mm -hmm. here, of course, in the, in the development goals, we are also talking about the need to develop the collective aspects of these capacities. Mm -hmm. So it's really quite complex. There's many dimensions, or many facets of this mm -hmm. capacity building. Yeah. As, as you know, I, I really like the, the work of John Maveke. Yeah. And part of what, what he brings here, and I also like that he does it in a very scientific way, a philosophical scientific way, that he talks uh, about our lost forms of knowledge mm. uh, and basically making exactly the point right now that our modernist, postmodern 
discourse basically allows only one form of knowledge that he calls it prepositional knowledge, but basically mm. it's the cognitive knowledge that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, but there are different forms of knowing that in traditional cultures, we are accepted as being forms of knowing, which is our relational, emotional connectedness, being hereness as forms of knowing that he tries to understand from a scientific point of view as being something that in, in themselves are knowledge forms that we with our a form of science have reduced to cognition. Yeah, no, no, and and it's important to point out that uh, these other ways of of uh, knowing was core part even of our Western civilization mm-hmm. up until some point, and that already Aristotle pointed out these mm-hmm. things. But then again, I think many many of these uh, um, views of of ways of knowing was a bit lost during the uh, again uh, enlightenment and scientific revolution uh, when in a very very good effort of course to get rid of a lot of old suspicious uh, sorry not superstitious superstitious knowledge and religious dogmatic knowledge we only focused on this sort of cognitive empirical uh, knowledge but mm-hmm. in doing so we threw out a bit of some babies with that uh, bath water including mm-hmm. some very important insights from aristotle and other uh, founders of the western mm-hmm. thinking in the beginning of this conversation i asked you where you think the metamodern movement is going and uh, I also asked you where you see signs of uh, emergence of that. And uh, the way I, I understand our conversation right now is that it's very much related to, to kind of milieus that are able to develop these new forms of complexity holding in that sense. And also the way you described it, that we are not talking about cognitive complexity, which in a form is a reduction itself. Mm. And I do see in in many places, uh, and again, for me, coming from Germany, Berlin is, uh, is, is stands for that, but uh, there are places in the US, there are places in the Nordic countries, there are other places where there is a new generation that playfully re-leans into holding that, yeah. experimenting yes. with that, yeah. and of course, making also their own uh, whatever with this. Yeah. And experimenting uh, with this in, in smaller communities and in larger festivals and, and things. I mean, if you're t- looking at the, the very large scale, you can t- talk about the uh, the Burning Man movement, not only the festival in, in the Nevada desert, but also uh, similar events going on in, in Europe and in other places uh, where you gather anything from 500 people up until 50,000 people uh, mm-hmm. in a festival where you are really experimenting with mm. new ways of, of relating, new way of constructing uh, the social interaction between uh, people. But also in, and I, and we see this in Stockholm and I'm involved in a, in a co-living project here in Stockholm called K9, where we have uh, f- 50 people living together in a, uh, a conscious community in central uh, Stockholm 
20 different nationalities and really experimenting with new ways of living and being uh, together. Uh, and I think it will be from experiments like these that we have been mentioning that uh, the new might emerge. And the more experiments we do, the more we learn. And we need to experiment and we need to fail. We need to fail fast and we need to try again and, and yeah, experiment. Because what we are really doing is that we are moving into an emerging future, which means that we cannot, even in principle, uh, envision what the future will be like. But even if we can't see the future, we must still act and try to experiment and try to support the uh, the emergence of something something new. So building bridges into the fog is a metaphor that I sometimes use. Mm. We need to be building many bridges into the fog and some of them will fail, but some of them I'm, I'm sure will uh, will work. And it's mm. from those experiments that then you will have a chance to uh, grow. Yeah. And I think it's also important to, to recognize that this is going on because a lot of that happens under the radar. Yeah. It definitely happens under the radar of our political news and, and, and also our reports about the civilization crisis that we're in. But there are a lot of incubation uh, constellations yes, going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. People and, big and, and, and one reason why why it is not reported on is that uh, um, if you don't have, uh, say, a metamodern understanding, a, a post postmodern understanding of what is going on, then then you don't really see what is going on, or you don't see the benefits of these small experiments. So then you don't know what the news value is. But there is certainly a lot of things uh, going going on, and uh, that that makes me very very hopeful. At the same time, as uh, we seem to be sliding backwards very rapidly at the same time, mm -hmm. so that's where we are a bit. Yeah, it's it's also. I mean, uh, not to be naively optimistic here. Or, I mean, the, the the outcome is very open. Or, including the climate catastrophe. We don't know basically uh, how we uh, will go through this or don't go through this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. so but but the, I think the sad, one sad insight I've had during the last couple of years is that, yes, we, we are heading towards a climate catastrophe and we need to do everything we can to avoid that. But probably what will hit us before the climate crisis hits us as individuals will be the breakdown of our uh, society, will be mm -hmm. breakdown of, of democracy. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And uh, I also would like to address it the other way around, uh, because I think that is also the significance and the importance of metamodern thinking. Because as you described it just now, you need this kind of framework in order to understand the significance of all these little different things that are going on. Mm, mm, mm. So it also works around that 
in the capacity to hold a, a different understanding of a possibility where a complex society can go. Yeah. All these little things that are very different, they're all kind of chaotic and start to make sense they would not do otherwise. No. So I, uh, I see the metamodern perspective also as a factor that allows these different movements to understand better for themselves yes. who they are and who they could be. Yeah, and that's, of course, part of the Emerge project. And we met, you and I, most recently at the Emerge gathering in Berlin during uh, a year ago. And uh, uh, at the beginning of the summer, we had an Emerge gathering in Austin, Texas, with exactly this idea of, of bringing together many of these small initiatives or individuals working in this space, but coming from very many different backgrounds, coming from, yes, philosophical perspective, new economic systems perspective, coming from personal development and, and coaching perspectives, could come from a psychedelics uh, perspective, many, many different uh, perspectives, and starting to realize that in some deeper respect, we are all trying to work on and contribute to the same societal evolution and to start becoming self-aware of what is going on uh, in the world and to start seeing the strength of what's going on when you start to see the totality. Yeah. Thomas, uh, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. It was a pleasure.